0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of House of Pain Gyms in St. Louis, Missouri area. Mr. Joe Corbett, how are you doing today? I'm great, Dominic. It's so good to be here. It is. I'm so excited. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I got to be the one to do your interview. Let's just kick it off, man.
2: Tell us what House of Pain is all about. Awesome. House of Pain started as an apparel company in uh, Fate, Texas. And um, it's been around since 1996. Had a really great hardcore following. Um, went through some you know, some, some changes Just a few years ago, we acquired the intellectual property in 2017, and we thought we the name is the best, right? House of Pain. So, and and we took that gym, that following, and um, we stayed true to the brand, which is all about hardcore training, bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman, and uh, but we wanted to to synergize the business with other aspects in the fitness space. So we started two gyms. Um, started our first one in 2018 and then our second one we brought online at the end of 2019. Um, We have an equipment sales division, we sell Panada equipment out of Italy, um, Fitland out of Spain and uh, locally here in the United States, Arsenal equipment. So uh, we've had a lot of success with that and uh, this is our passion. Um, We have Currently, about uh, twenty-nine employees, and uh, we're family. But the family extends beyond just <clears throat> excuse me beyond just the employees. It extends to our members, which uh, that's why we're in business. We wanted to create a sanctuary for the athlete that wants to train hard and isn't worried about uh, somebody yelling at them for you know putting too much weight on a piece of equipment or yelling or. Uh, exerting themselves, uh, intimidating others. Um, We wanted to provide that sanctuary, the four walls to to, uh, provide a place where you're safe and, you know, you can feel good about uh, training hard, using chalk, uh, yelling and screaming a little bit if that's what you want to do.
1: Awesome. Awesome, man. So it sounds like there was a dream and there's been some execution and you know, I, I wish sometimes we were a video podcast because to see the way that you light up when you talk about this thing that you've built uh, is is a great feeling. and it's it's really cool to see people's, you know life's work come together to to come to fruition and be something that they're really proud of. So, uh, give me a little bit of a history of how you ended up in the position of owning a couple of locations with with an eye to the future of of having more. But what's your background, previous industry experience, and what led you to, you know, to take that leap to start saying, you know, I'm going to buy some IP, I'm going to build these things there. I'm sure you didn't just wake up one day and say, this is it. So what did it look like?
2: Yeah. So I'm a wealth manager. I have a, a, a business management firm called Equus Group, and I started it in 1991. Um, I was a broker before that for Lehman Brothers and a small company called Hibbard and Company. And, um, I've had some success and, uh, I, I started the business in 91 to serve professional athletes. When I walked out of the firm that I was working uh, at the time as a broker, there was a line of my peers, uh, waiting for me to leave, laughing at me as I was walking out the door, you'll be back. You don't know any professional athletes. You won't, uh, you won't make it. Um, that was 31 years ago. So, um, we serve some of the top names in sports, NFL, NHL, um, most of the u s. soccer players that play overseas are clients of ours. And uh, again, some of the biggest names. Um, that enabled me to fulfill a dream that I've always had, and that's that's to own a gym. Um got a lot of advice from people I know. Uh, I aligned myself with the more positive, you know gym owners. But there were many that were so negative. Don't do this if you, if you want to make money at it. You know, you're not going to make a living doing this. Well, I beg to differ. I, I've, I've uh, put a model in place that I, I felt made sense at the beginning. And, you know, it's changed a lot over the years, Dominic, right? I mean, you know, the, the way you foresee things happening isn't always the way it happens. So, you know, you make changes, you, you adjust. Um, one of the first people I met was Brian Dobson from Metroflex. And the original Metroflex in Arlington, and what I learned quickly is something that I already knew, and that's that this business is, as much as any business, is about relationships, and it's about um, the closeness that you have with the people that you do business with. We are not transactional; we are relationship-based. When a member comes in to sign up, you know, the first thing I ask him is, "Where are you coming from?" They share that with me. What are you into? And it, it doesn't have to be about training what are you into tell me about your family you know um and most people will say well that's not important you're there to serve them and and you know have a gym where they can train it it is transactional well i i, I don't think it is you see these people every day of your life and you become part of their lives um i can't tell you how many funerals i've been to of members you know and um to me, that's what this journey is about. It's about the relationships. And um, that's always been the forefront. Our mission statement is to serve um, in Servium. And we want to serve our community, our members, but also the fitness community in in general. And we want to provide free content. And we want to provide, yeah, we're in business. We're in business to make money. We got to keep the doors open. But if I can help one person overcome a physical ailment or Learn something about training to become a better, you know, a better competitor or uh, whether it's powerlifting or bodybuilding, I want to provide that. We've had uh, names like Tom Platts in our gym to do a leg seminar. Uh, we brought Bill Kazmaier into our gym, world's strongest man back in the day, uh, into our gym to talk about what the mental toughness, you know, w- what it takes to be a champion. And, um, you know, he told a story about the famous picture of him, which we have on our walls. Um, and that was, I believe, most people think it's his squat record. That's what it is. He's squatting, and most people believe it's his, his, the world record for, for a squat. It's actually not. Um, the backstory to it, he told, was that he actually set the world's bench press record right before that picture was taken. Um, he ruptured. Nope. I, I, I know what it is now. Sorry, Dominic. That's all right. No, man. That squat was not the world record. He, he did the movement and he ruptured a quad. They carried him over to the bench where he set the world bench press record. (laughs) So, you know, it was that kind of insight that, um, that we wanted to share with our, our members and it was invaluable. Uh, afterwards he stuck around for a couple hours and our members were just asking him questions and we opened it up to the public. We opened it up to whoever in St. Louis wanted to come in and there were people that drove in from Columbia and, and over in Illinois because they were big Casimir fans back in the day. So, um, the guy is remarkable. And if we can provide people like, like that, uh, we had Arash Rabar, one of the best, you know, classic physique competitors in, in the country. Um, and David Henry, you know, the 202 Mr. Olympia, uh, we're gonna to continue to do that. Um, we had a, our first strongman event just this past summer and we plan to build on that every year and bring some of the strongman talent into, and women into St. Louis to, to build that because we have a big strongman community. It's, it's grown like crazy. So again, that stewardship is really important to us that giving back is, is really at the forefront. That's our mission.
1: Man, well, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. And I appreciate you sharing as, as much as you did. I'm going to try to hit some of these points and um, I'm sure we'll go off seven different other tangents, but that's what we're here for, right? We're here to just to share what makes things special and, and unique and work. But um, you, you were talking about your prior, prior businesses and, wealth management, and then how you view this business. And one of the things that you said, and it can be trite, it can be cliched, and people don't, I don't think, give it enough respect. When you talk about relationships and relationships versus transactions, and and this is a conversation that I was involved in earlier today with with some people that, that I respect and work with pretty closely about, starting conversations and how you can set the tone of building a relationship whether you're it's a business relationship or not but in our case business yes you're a business you are there are transactions that occur but the best transactions in my opinion start with let's figure out the relationship side of this let me find out about you let me find out about what makes you tick let me find out about what drives you and what you're interested in not to turn around and Jedi mind trick, use it on you as a way to sell you. But for me to see if, if you fit in the criteria, the right way, right? Not trying to shove square pegs in around round holes. Like, Hey, you're interested in X, Y, Z. I provide that. Are you interested? I provide it in this way. Are you still interested? I provided in this way. Do, are you interested in doing business with me? Like, but if you don't know somebody at all, now, now different things don't lend themselves. You know, you're not going to spend enough time with your Uber driver to know the names of all his kids. But when we're in a multi touch, continual relationship business, you do have those opportunities with people. You can start it somewhere. You can't, maybe you can't get through the whole thing there, but you can start with, hey, where are you coming from? What are you into? You know, are you from St. Louis? What, what, what made you come in the doors here? What about your life and your personality landed you in front of me? Because nobody ends up, there aren't, I don't believe that much in coincidences, honestly. It's like, what things in your life led you to be in the position you're in? We don't always know, but if you start there, I feel like it sets the foundation for for so many better things to happen. Some of those things look like sales. Some of those things look like going to weddings and funerals, right? Some of those things look like, you know, any number of other relationships, but it's so easy to say, Oh, I'm in the relationship business and then not do anything about it. Yeah. It's like, or I'm in the people business. And you're like, but then you you somehow forget that you're, you have to deal with people. And, uh, I don't want to get too far afield. Uh, but one of my favorite authors, modern authors is Simon Sinek. And he's got a great quote that I love when he's and it's it seems so simple, but he says, numbers of people aren't people, they're numbers. And when you really let that sink in, it's like, shit. All right, let me let me examine the way I deal with these things. So I really appreciate you bringing that out into that. I'm sure there's no coincidence that your tactics, the way that you build relationships, the way that you care to start with is probably what brought you success on the wealth management side and led you to be able to do this next thing. So Uh, yeah, I mean, that's super powerful. And there's a lot of things that you had in there, but that just stands out to me so much because a lot of people talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. And it sounds like you said it, built it into your business and you can't avoid it. So thank you for that. Absolutely. I want to run into how that plays into the continuation of your business and how it's executed. So you have to start things off with a relationship. You have to start things off with knowing enough about a person to make the decision if you're both a good fit for each other. But once they are, you have things in place in your gym to make it welcoming, to make it inclusive and exclusive in some ways there are things that you welcome things that you don't welcome but it all seems aimed to me for the time we've spent together towards these are the type of people these are the tribe that i'm building this is what i want and these are all the things i'm going to put in place to nurture and protect it so give us a little bit about how you've built that into the workings of the gym
2: sure Uh, All of our staff is trained by me or one other person. And uh, my partner in this is uh, my significant other who uh, I've been with for a few years. And she um, brings, I wanna say this the right way. She brings uh, something that I don't have and that's detail. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, macro looking at things from 50,000 feet and, and she's down in the trenches. And together, we're a pretty gosh, gosh darn good team. And um, we we train our employees uh, to treat each member, potential member, as a human being and not as, as a number or a dollar sign. And I know that's corny and cliche, but it's the truth. And um, the most important thing to us is we show off our gym. When people come into the gym and they want to know what we have to offer, um, and why we're 50 bucks as opposed to the 10 dollars or 20 dollars uh, gyms, you know, the low cost models, um, who I've been very critical of. Um, the way we do that is we we take we take great pride in in what we have in our gym, not only the equipment but the spirit. And um, I, you know, I can't take credit for that, Dominic. It just kind of happened. But um, but everybody knows everybody in the gym and. It, that's not a negative. It's a positive there. Everybody there is uh, there to empower uh, the other person uh, to lift them up. There is no negativity. There's no judgment. I hate to use that word because one of the big chains uses it. Yeah. Um, but, but truly we're not there to judge anyone. Um, again, if, if you're, I told you before, we have a big trans community in our gym and uh, they're there because they know they're safe. They're there because they know that they'll be supported and not be judged. And um, they had the courage to walk through our front door and uh, they'll be treated with respect. And if you know, if anybody doesn't treat another member with respect, they're gone. Um, and we we have terminated memberships. I have no problem with that. We're not for everybody. Uh, when when people walk through the front door, I'll take them around and, and uh, again, we're distributors for Panada and Arsenal. We have a lot of Panada and Arsenal equipment in there. You know that's very good equipment. Um, there's Panada pieces that we have that are $11,000 retail. You know, you're not going to see that in any of, the, <laughs> any of the big chains. Nothing close to it. Um, but and again, I'm trying not to be critical. But again, we are stewards in our space. We're constantly giving back. I don't see the big chains giving back to the community at all. Um, I've challenged them. Uh, When, you know, we went through the COVID shutdown, um, we were actually sued by our local government for staying open. The casino, two miles from my front door, was open. And, you know, you have people in there smoking and drinking whiskey. Uh, We're living a healthy lifestyle over here. Our place is cleaner than any grocery store. And yet we were made to close. So, we made the decision to stay open under the presidential and the state guidelines. Our local county um, made it personal. They sued us. Uh, we fought it all the way to federal court. We won in uh, local court, state court, and uh, took it all, with, all the way to federal court. Uh, we were made to shut down for two weeks and then we, we reopened with everybody else to just two weeks later. So um, the reason we did that is because the gym means so much to people it means so much to our members. We have members that um, were addicts. They'll, they'll tell you they were alcoholics, they were addicts. The gym is their addiction now. You know, they've overcome a lot in their life. This is very meaningful to them and it's taken away from them. I just don't, I didn't feel it was fair. So, um, again, we want to serve our clients. Um, and I'm getting way off track. What were we even talking about, man?
1: I mean, I think we're talking about how how you're invested in building the community there that you want to foster and and nurture in the gym, but it's it spilled over into your effect and your influence in the community at large. So I think it's a good time, and this isn't going to be very tactical or something that necessarily we can expect our listeners to repeat. But off the air, you told me a, a story about what happened today with you in your gym and what you've been able to do. So I think a lot of people say, I want to use my business to make an impact in the community. I want to, I want to do more. I want to contribute to it. And there's a a million opportunities. Uh, And realistically, I tell a lot of people, you need your business to actually work first. Mm -hmm. You need your business to exist and survive and thrive if you want to be able to use it To impact, right? It's like they tell you on a plane, you're going to put your oxygen mask on first so that you can help other people. So you've built this facility that's housed, you know, stars and competitions and things like that. And you're now at a point where you're you're able to leverage it into other things. So with that being said, tell us about what happened with you and with the facility today.
2: Absolutely. I'd like to go back to my point before that I've lost my train of thought. Go Um, for it. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, (laughs) we take great pride in what's in our four walls. And, um, I I mentioned before, we're not for everyone. We, um, I have, uh, an Avenger chest press. I have the original swing squat. I have all these rare pieces of equipment. I have old flex and nebula and pendulum equipment and, um, really hard to find pieces. I have a lot of medex pieces in, in my gyms and, I'll take somebody through and, y- you know, if they're coming from one of the big box chains, you know, they're looking around they're like, God, how old is that piece of equipment? You know, but again, I hand selected every piece in there because I want the best for my members. Uh, biomechanically, it has to make sense. Um, no offense to Matrix or Life Fitness, but you don't see any of it in our gyms. Um, we don't send out a request for proposal to the equipment companies and take the cheapest one, we we hand select every piece of equipment. And I'm not going to say money is no object. But if there's a piece that we want, we'll get it. And um, when you look at the gyms like Madhouse in, in Atlanta, or, or the Metroflex gyms, they have the best for their members. And those are the kind of people that I want to learn from. Um, getting back to what you just said, we We had a powerlifting meet in our gym last summer and it was for the Special Olympics. Um, We had a smoke machine. We had all the lights. It was a professional powerlifting meet, man. We had a platform um, and it was a great experience. We had about 400 people there and um, all of our members that were training that day, it was in our north gym, which is a much larger gym, about 27,000 square feet. Uh, They all stuck around to watch. Uh, every lift, I can tell you, Dominic, was a celebration. Um, it sounded like you were at a hockey game and and the home team just scored a goal. Every every lift, it was um, it, it was amazing. It was a great experience. Well, last Friday, uh, we get a call from the WWE, and uh, they said uh, we have um, our event at the Dome in St. Louis next Saturday. Next Friday, we'd like uh, for our uh, Alpha team wrestlers like that's their top guys uh to come into your gym and and do a powerlifting meet with the local special olympics athletes uh so that was this morning at 10 a.m and uh, we had to keep it quiet for (laughs) for a week which was kind of hard but um they came in and and uh, uh otis uh chad gable uh joe spivak uh came in and they just lit it up man from the moment they walked in um, you know, the Special Olympics athletes saw them. They're all, by the way, going to the event tomorrow, the dome. So these are their heroes, you know, they're, they're so into the WWE and uh, these guys nailed it. They, um, they lifted with the, the Special Olympics athletes. They instructed them um, and they did a little mini meet. It was um, a, a push, um, yeah, push pull. It was bench and, and deadlifts and uh, it was quite an event probably had 150 people total there. And, um, it was, it was fantastic.
1: Yeah. That's, that's one of the coolest stories that I think I've ever heard in the fitness business, you know, bar none. And, and thankfully, you know, in a position of doing this and being around a while, you know, you hear people talk about celebrities and, you know, any number of things that have gone on. I, um, you know, it's just, that's going to be one of those things where, I don't know. I don't know how you top it, really. It's, you know, you you look back and any cool thing that might happen in your in your gym or in your life, um, you know, that's that's going to rank pretty high up there for being able to have that type of impact in the community. So I appreciate you sharing that. And and I think it really is a testament to if you're out there enough, if you're really trying to do enough, if you put yourself in a position to to really help and make an impact. Uh, You might not ever have WWE in your building, but you might, and you'll still have some of those experiences that don't show on the balance sheet that, you know, the IRS IRS can't tax it. It's just no one can ever take it away and makes you realize like you're making a difference in a lot of ways. So appreciate you sharing that. Um, I don't know how we're going to top that with the next 10 minutes or so that we have here, but I do want to talk a little bit about um, operations and some of the things that you've done in the gym because you, from the outside looking in, and and I'll let you fill us in here, it doesn't seem like you have the, you know, the, the 7-Eleven or the Walmart full menu of things that you're trying to be and offer at your gym. It looks like, you know, it's pretty simple, not a lot of offerings. I'm sure that's not by accident. Uh, you're not trying to be anybody except house of pain. So what does that look like for you as far as the things you've decided to provide as far as, you know, services, um, facilities, things like that in the gym and how that plays into your personality and your, your culture?
2: Very good. We have uh, we have no TVs in the gym. Uh, we have signs. Uh, we don't allow cell phones on the gym floor. Uh, you're there to train, and um, Ben Pekalski, who's an iconic bodybuilder uh, Olympian, uh, has a podcast called Muscle Intelligence, and he talks very consistently about giving more and about creating value and never asking for anything until you've you've given that value, and um, I feel like we give it freely and. Uh, that's who we are. Uh, if, if there's a uh, a bar that that some of the powerlifters want to use to train, I'm going to go get it. If there's a uh, you know a piece of equipment that that we can afford and it's the right time and you know the members are consistently asking for it, we're going to go get it. Um, our culture is, uh, and Dominic, we have. We have high com- IFBB pros and and you know world class power lifters that that lift in our gyms, um, but I don't think that's all unique, all that unique. There's a lot of good gyms in every city that that have those things, um, but and what we have is we have a community, and and that community consists of those athletes, and it consists of the 65 year old accountant, you know that that works. 15 hours a day and finds time to come in at four in the morning and and train or, or eight o'clock at night to train and, and lives the lifestyle. And um, that's who we cater to. Uh, We, we don't offer a lot of the ancillary. We don't have massage chairs or anything like that. Uh, We have again, self-serving, but we have what I believe is the very best equipment offerings um, an atmosphere that's conducive, to training hard and winning and um and i believe that we give much more than um uh we try to just give more and more um i i also um i'm not trying to outdo anybody or compete with any any other gyms you used a good term i mean we are who we are and um we built our model so that uh you know, we were we were going to be, we had to reach a certain uh, level of membership, and then we would be profitable. Well, in the Chesterfield location, our first location, we were profitable right away. In fact, I, I purchased a building. Um, I didn't want the big rents, so I purchased a building. Um, it was only six thousand square feet. We outgrew that in eight months. The building became available right down the road. Um, I put a letter of intent on that. I put my building up for sale. I had a contract on my building within pretty quickly, like three weeks, um, and then I entered into a contract on the building down the street, which is where we are now, and that's about fifteen thousand square feet. Um, so, you know the second location took us a little bit longer to be profitable through all the covid shutdowns and and the restrictions. It hurt us. Uh, it hurt us considerably. Um but we survived. We're in a great place now. Uh, we've had we've got uh, plans for expansion, but our model is very specific. And um, again, we're not trying to be, you know, a, a a big chain, a big box chain. We're not trying to compete with them. We're much better than them. Um, and again, self-serving. But I'm not sorry. It's uh, we we have uh, supplements, and we have our House of Pain apparel in the front of our stores. Um, and for those gyms that don't uh, that say, you know, we don't do apparel, we don't do supplements, I, I really encourage you to rethink that. Um, we sell wholesale to a lot of gyms, uh, our apparel, House of Pain, it's a, you know, iconic fitness brand. Um, we sell $5,000 a month in apparel in each of our locations. And um, we're not like merchandisers, we're, we're not Lululemon, you know, we're, we're just a gym. But, uh, people want to support your brand. They want, they're, they're proud of where they train. Uh, if you give them a reason to be and um, our members support us. I know uh, I have many friends that are gym owners. Their, their members support them, give them the opportunities, opportunity to support you. Uh, the ready to drinks. We do about $2,500 a month in in re- just ready to drink, you know, uh, energy drinks and the, you know, the, the, lean body and the MRE protein uh, ready to drink shakes. Uh, we don't have a smoothie bar or anything like that. but you know we we pay the utilities just with a hundred square feet, ten by ten <laughs> space in the front of our gyms, which is just apparel and and some supplements. So uh, you know that's our model, and I, I just feel like you've got to unlock the value of every square inch of of space in your facility. And uh, you do that by offering more value to the members, whoever your audience is, you know, maybe uh, TVs is an important thing to your your demographic, um, then that's what you should order. But um, I feel like, you know, going back to Ben Pakulski's model, give incessantly, create that value, and your members will come and they will be loyal to you and they will support you.
1: Awesome, man. I want to, um, well, one thing, a shameless plug. If you're a podcast listener, we had Ben Pakulski on, so.
2: Oh, fantastic.
1: Find that episode. It'll be cool. Um, something I want to jump in, and I almost feel like I'm playing devil's advocate here or I'm or trying to pick a fight, but I, I know that there's <laughs> going to be a great answer that comes to this. I'm going through your website. I have a, a general feel of the, the gym and everything like that. And then I come across this fit 30 thing uh-huh. and I can't figure out where it fits in. So so give me the, the scoop behind that and how that how that works in with everything else that you're doing. I'm certain that it does, but it sticks out like a sore thumb and I need to know how it works. I'm glad you picked the fight, Dominic. <laughs> I know that I know that I uh I know that you're armed for bear here so
2: oh man I have an answer for you so I'm sure you um, we, we don't have any classes in our gyms except for we we do have a martial arts school in in our north gym we have um Krav Maga uh which is a combination of of the various arts it's you know jujitsu Muay Thai boxing and um Krav is an Israeli form of self-defense that's incredible. Um, so we have that. And then, in the front of the space, we built out this small space, and um, I got to use this term. I know it's a corny term and it's probably overused, but it's aerobics on steroids. I mean, it's it's weights, um, barbells, kettlebells, and uh, it's 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 hardcore training um, for the the, pe- the people that like classes And um, it's intense. I was I was made a believer by doing the class. <laughs> it kicked my butt. So um, I invite you to come on over and, and check it out, Dominic. I'll do it with you.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure that that would be a good time. So is it is it something that came up after the fact, after you had built it out? Was it someone else's suggestion? Uh, how did it come to be as part of the business? And into the, to the degree that you're comfortable sharing how much of your business model would you say that accounts for? Is it, it's clearly not an afterthought because it it's built out and it's there. And I feel like you don't treat anything that way, but is it, where does it fall into the grand plan? You've got it at one location. Will it make its way to the next and the others that follow? Um, That's always something that we talk to people with, with training gyms and, quote, and I got my air quotes on here, serious training gyms, because that's, that's open interpretation. And they don't want to add things like that. They don't want to quote, water it down or, or, you know, bring in those people. So how did you wrap your head around it? And how would you suggest somebody who, who might think that they're too hardcore for it to, to embrace it?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's as much anabolic as it is aerobic. Uh, this program is. It, it's really not a class where um, you'd want to go and, and take it easy or, or, you know, a lot of the spinning classes, you know, I, I've heard, well, you can just dial it down when you get tired. You don't have that option here. I mean, you're hitting bags, lifting weights, barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells. Um, the way that it came about was, uh, you know, we don't typically work in a vacuum, but this sort of came about by, a couple of people asking for a group training session. And that's really what it is. It's a group training session. And um, the, we had a couple more people ask and then a couple more people. So it, what, it's not in our West gym. Uh, it won't be in any of the future models for you know our plans for expansion, unless that community requests it. The, the requests that we've gotten, interestingly enough, were from various um, communities within our community. So we had a couple strong men uh, ask for it. We had a couple power lifters, a couple bodybuilders. So if, if you've got all these different factions that want the same thing, let's figure out a way to implement that. And let's figure out a way to, to create this, this product that's going to be what they want. So our trainers who are highly qualified got together and they developed this this program and um, it's a proprietary program. It's not, you know, Les Mills or anything like that. It's not something we purchased. We created it, and, um, you know, we, we have these trainers that gave a lot of thought to it, and uh, they teach it, and um, it, it's good. It's, it's satisfied the people that wanted it, and now it's creating, you know, a, a lot of interest from other people in the gym, so it's been pretty interesting watching it grow.
1: Awesome. I think the best way that I could put the cherry on top of that, is if you're listening to this episode and you're and you're trying to wrap your head around it, just go see Joe. Take a trip to St. Louis. Go check it out. He'll do the class with you. And, and if you have some, some need for it and you think you can't fit it into your gym, it, it seems like a really unique piece of the industry. And I feel like you've got to experience it to understand it. And hopefully if I ever get the chance to to pass through St. Louis, I will certainly do so because my interest is peaked.
2: Don't be scared, but, Dominic.
1: <laughs> I mean, no, it's only it's only East St. Louis that scares me. Not, yeah. not, not You right. should be. <laughs> uh, all right, so I want to respect your time. We only have a few minutes left. Let's go freestyle here. If you could impart any knowledge, wisdom, anything that you wish, you know, some I've had guys they are like, man, I wish I could just get in every... Every trainer or gym owner's brain, and just share this one thing: Um, what what keeps you up at night? What do you wish that people knew? Is there anything that you're like, man? If people just got this, we'd all be better for it.
2: It's a great question. Um, You know, I'm thankful for people like uh, Brian Dobson at Metroflex and Tony Torres in Miami at Iron Temple and me uh, and Ben Pekulski with MI40, I learned a lot from training in their gyms. And, you know, those people give, uh, they give a lot to their their members. I've learned a lot from them. If you have a dream of, of opening a gym, of buying a gym, um, go sit under a tree, figure out the model and do it. Um, live your life. It's a great life. It's a great lifestyle. I love you know, walking into my gym and the energy and, and just bouncing off all the people. Um, you can, you, most gym owners will share their knowledge with you. Most of the really good gym owners will share their knowledge. Go buy them a beer, you know, go, go in, uh, go to their gym and sit down and have a protein shake with them. Ask them for a few minutes of their time. Um, if you, can, if you can emulate some of the most successful gym owners, um, it, it's not rocket science, you know, it, it's developing a model that makes sense for the demographic that you're trying to serve and uh, doing a pro forma, putting everything on on paper. Here's my expenses, you know, it could be simple as, as one side of the, the paper, here's my expenses, here's what I have to, you know, here's the membership, charge. Here's what I think the market can bear. And you meld those two sides of the paper together, and you can come up with something that I think makes sense. Um, if I had to do it all over again, it, it's I've had some some painful moments. Um, I've learned a lot, but I would do it again. And um, I, again, I, I love it so much. I have plans for expansion to Florida, the Gulf side of Florida. I think there's a ton of opportunity there. Uh, I want to go to Kansas City from St. Louis. We have people that drive in from Kansas City into St. Louis to to train at our gyms. Um, I, I believe there's for our market the you know the the serious athlete that wants a gym to go train hard and and has everything they need with like-minded people. I think there's room for that in the market. I don't see enough of it. You have the Metroflexes. You have you know Madhouse Gym. You have uh, Mi Forty. But, you know, I just named a few gyms, and there's three hundred million people in the country. so I, I do think there's there's space, uh, a room in that space.
1: Well, words of wisdom, I agree with everything you said wholeheartedly, especially because there's so many people, so many niches. everybody doesn't need to be house of pain. There's probably room for a few more of them, but figure out your own thing, the thing that you can be passionate about, apply your work ethic and, and just go out there and crush it. You know, there's a lot of people out there that need help. Our competition in the industry isn't ever with each other. It's with the couch. Some of us have nicer couches than the other, but we all got to get off it and we got to get, get people off it. And, you know, the pandemic sucked, but it's also put a highlight on hey, health and fitness and, and hopefully it pushes the movement forward and, thankful we have guys like you and guys and girls in the industry who are just, just pushing this thing, just want to help more people. So thank you so much for being here, Joe. I truly appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dominic. Anytime. Thank you, sir. And to everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you. Uh, we hope you found value and inspiration in this episode if you want to hear more click the subscribe button if you want to be on the show click the link in the description fill out the form someone from the team will get you on to everyone out there in Jim lords nation keep working hard keep changing lives keep kicking ass Jim lords out
0: thank you for listening to this interview but don't go anywhere we still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode
3: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Cliff Morton of 1000% Fitness, coming to you from Connecticut. Cliff, what's going on, man? How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing very, very well. Cliff, I'm excited to dive into this because you as someone in the fitness industry have seen The industry from a couple of different lenses. And so I'm excited to pick your brain and see what this current iteration of business looks like for you. Why don't you give the people listening a little bit of a backstory of how we got here in the first place with 1000% Fitness?
4: Sounds good. So I I think we'll start off with the name. Uh, 1000% Fitness was uh, designed for really search engine uh, optimization, number one. Uh, so I, I decided to come up with this, uh, this challenge, a 1,000 rep challenge, um, where we would incorporate dof- different types of uh, TRX training and bodyweight exercises. Um, if you hit the, the goal, kind of like a, an eating contest, the, the opposing end of it. So if uh, you hit 1,000 reps uh, and in the hour, we'd have a planned out workout. You would get a picture of you, put it up on the wall, you get a t-shirt, and that kind of worked in terms of, you know, like free marketing for us. You know, people would be able to talk about it, be able to put it on social media, and then also 1,000% Fitness in terms of search engine optimization, it usually comes up uh, pretty quickly in your search results. So that's how we kind of came up with the name. Um, the idea for the business started out about 12 years ago in 2010. Um, I was managing a physical therapy uh, studio at that point along the shoreline in Connecticut, and I uh, wanted to branch out on my own. Uh, and when we first started out, we were kind of a jack of all trades. We had clients that came over in terms of one-on-one personal training, um, but we also had clients that uh, that wanted to do you know, group classes. So we offered boxing, we offered yoga, um, we offered things of that nature. And then once we moved to our second location, we found that we were able to kind of hone in on our one of our more uh, you know, focused skill sets, which was one-on-one training, group training, and then we kind of delved into this other uh, aspect of our business, which was obstacle course training, mm-hmm. which became kind of a big focal point for us moving forward. Uh, yeah. we obstacle course equipment. Uh, we brought companies in so that they could do training, kind of like uh, group team exercises. And then that became like a, a yearly thing for us. We would have uh, a group of clients, about 12 of us would uh, compete in a warrior dash together in Connecticut. Yeah. And, uh, you know, throughout the year, we would do like twice, uh, twice a week training to get ready for it. We would do the uh, kind of figure out what was like a weakness for certain clients. You know, what worked well for certain clients, and then we would run the race together. You know, everyone gets muddy. They get to see me. You know, get a bunch of fun, soaked in it. Exactly. It was a win-win for everyone. Yeah.
3: So at the heart of this, when we when we talk about this, what I'm deriving from what you said is basically one-on-one and smaller group training but we're figuring out what the person is actually looking for and a good way to help them achieve that right at the at the essence of all of this that's what training should be Absolutely. Right? it's not us pushing our methodologies on people it's not telling them you should be x y and z we're figuring out what they actually want and prescribing here's how the best the best way it is to get there
4: right yeah, yeah so for a majority of our clients um you know 45 plus um in terms of an age group with some type of orthopedic issue um, that they either had recently or had something as like a lingering issue that they've had in the past and it's a matter of getting them to train effectively moving forward um pain-free and then able to do a little bit more than they were able to do previously so you know for some of them you know it was like well i, I would like to go play tennis again um, and I'd like to be able to do that without having my shoulder, you know, in pain for the next three days if I play a match, you know, yeah. so it was, in some instances that that was the case for other ones it, you know, it was like, I want to be able to pick up my grandkids, you know, and again, it's all a matter of, you know, take that one exercise, take that one uh, single isolated thing and then turn it into a, a programming. Yeah. I so.
3: find in, in my experience in fitness that people the vast majority of people don't really care about the training process. They want the training outcome. Yes. And so keeping that first and foremost, when we're prescribing these things and coming up with recommendations to people has to be paramount for us. Cliff, for you, talk to us about the business as it stands now, tell us a little bit about the location and and the number of people that you work with.
4: Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think we've talked about this previously, that, you know, you, you're kind of at the uh, at the mercy of uh, sometimes the the building owner itself. Um, and we had a much larger location, and then we, you know, they were looking to sell, so we had to move. Um, and we did that in a pretty short span of time. And we moved from essentially 3,000 square feet to about 700 square feet. And we did that because it was on the same road. Um, so it was, it was actually something where, instead of having, you know, a giant moving truck, I had clients taking, you know, 40 pound dumbbells and we're going to do farmer's carries down. <laughs> we half a mile down the road. <laughs> and we're going to turn that into the exercise. Um, and it worked well for people. You and know, they paid, paid you to do it. And they paid, <laughs> and, and, you know, that was, that was really the, you know, kind of an eye-opening thing you know you you do give a lot as a business owner you know especially owning a uh, gym you're up at four o'clock in the morning the middle of your day is usually a little bit dead and then you're back in the evening and get home late you know and a lot of people you know unless you own a gym you don't understand that grind um And when I saw that, you know, I had clients that were willing to kind of help me out with this really arduous process, I, you know, it was, it was a a fair amount of appreciation on my part as well, because they kind of, you know, saw that we were already in business around seven years at that point. Uh, And then they, they understood this was kind of a difficult circumstance and they were more than willing to help out as well. Um, and then they were completely on board with the new location in terms of changing what we would be doing. Um, you know, it's kind of a systematic change. We went from doing obstacle courses outside and doing a fair amount of training outside to essentially, you know, you're going to be within the small, smaller space. And we're going to try to make do with what we have. Um, but that actually it turned out to be, you know, kind of a blessing in disguise. We we're able to kind of, you know, pare down what we really needed to do and focus on. Um, We were able to kind of hone in on our marketing so that we were able to, you know, look at, uh, you know, what worked for us, what didn't work for us in the past. Um, So a little bit of like self-reflection there. Um, And then that kind of took us to that next stage where we started focusing on like the Concept2 challenges and things of that nature. Um, We were about a month out from the uh, World Erg Challenge um, when we moved that year. And I said, okay, well, our our main goal is going to be instead of doing our obstacle course training that we would normally do right around March, uh, we're going to switch that over, we're going to do like really focused, you know, hardcore concept Two training, where we would do essentially an ergathlon between three machines, um, and then incorporate that with some type of training. And then that led to us winning it three years in a row. Um, So, you know, I think it, it's all about adaptation in this business, you know, you figure out what works for you, you know, you figure out what works for your clients, and kinda, you roll with the punches from there. Yeah, and, and you, like so many other
3: entrepreneurs and, and gym owners in our industry, you've been in the industry for nearly a decade. But this is kind of like a new beginning for you. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. it's this fresh start of perspective. And, and like you said, we trimmed some of the fat. We mm-hmm. We figured out what our core competency is. What do we do better than anyone else? Let's double and triple down on that and rebuild this business, right? With the idea of growth mm-hmm. in the long run, you mentioned being able to focus in on your marketing. Walk us through what that means for you, because marketing in our industry can mean a whole host of things how are you guys bringing in new leads to the business
4: yeah so i mean again in a similar way um when i first started out uh, our marketing plan was actually geared towards um what a local newspapers um uh, they contacted me and they said would you be willing to write um an article for us on a weekly basis the fitness article and i said absolutely um so from there um that was essentially like one aspect of our marketing we would do it kind of like a um, a very localized version of it. We, uh, I would write a, uh, an article, um, in a weekly, on a weekly basis, uh, for a newspaper. And then, you know, we would have people cl- uh, contact us, you know, by the next week, you know, asking different questions about it and things of that nature. Um, we branched out from there. We, um, did a couple of like the daily deals sort of things. We started out with Shoreline Perks. We switched over to Groupon at one point, and then we found that, um, kind of by using Groupon, Groupon had like a little side analytics portion to it, which I found really interesting. And we were able to kind of hone in on that part of it, where we thought a majority of our clients were going to be coming from Guilford and Madison, um, you know, uh, higher, um, you know, um, uh, household income. And from there, we actually found that most of our clients were coming from really a geographic location more than anything else. Um, so once we got rid of, uh, the daily deals option, we started doing a little bit more targeted marketing, um, in terms of, you know, using Google analytics and then using, um, our clients to basically be our own, uh, marketing campaign. You know, we had, we threw out t-shirts for people. Uh, we basically gave out a lot of promotional stuff, but we also use social media a lot more at that point. Um, we had it connected to a blog. So at one point, we were doing our workout of the day on a blog. We would also then cross promote that on uh, Instagram and then on Facebook. And that worked pretty well for us, you know, brought down, you know, in terms of our ROI on it, I mean, there was essentially no investment on it aside from time um, as compared to, you know, your traditional marketing of 10 years ago, where, you know, you're putting out an ad and then kind of hoping for the best. Mm. Um, this allowed us to really get uh, analytics on like a daily basis. And really understand, you know, where most of our connections were coming from. You know, we found that with Facebook, people were clicking on a lot of stuff, but we weren't getting the kind of engagement that we were hoping to get. Whereas people would go onto the blog, oddly enough, and then contact us through there looking for training. Yeah. but well,
3: like we said, I mean, marketing at its best should be more of a toolkit than a singular tool. The more <laughs> things that we have in our arsenal, the better we can accomplish the job, the job being bringing people into the business, right? To your point, Facebook likes, Instagram likes, shares, all of these things are great, but if it doesn't result in clients and members at the end of the day, then we're kind of just spinning our tires. You've said, I want to kind of rehash a number of things that you said because you focus on much more digital products now as opposed to a little bit more analog style before with uh, the newspaper, the, the daily discount sort of things. How has your experience been with social media? You mentioned that it's been mostly organic, right? Zero ad spend. Yes.
4: Yep. And, you know, I think it's kind of like this, this love-hate relationship with it. You know, I think it's one of those things where I, I wouldn't want to spend my time on social media, you know, using it for marketing um, and spend my entire day on there. But I think it's a necessity. You know, if you look at it in terms of what you have to do for a business, you know, it's something that you have to do um and it's also really interesting when you look at you know we could post a picture of you know different things that we did for an obstacle course but if we put like a little snippet of like a five second video that's going to get a heck of a lot more engagement you know so it's kind of like understanding what works and what doesn't um we did some videos on youtube in terms of when we had a batting cage at one point you know we showed our baseball training um and different types of uh, softball training that we could do and that got a a ton of engagement just from that you know Mm -hmm. and I think it's a matter of just kind of understanding what people are looking for. I mean, there's so much out there in terms of social media, what's going to grab their attention and what's going to be something that turns them into a potential client. You know, it's fine and well to have people looking at a ton of your videos, but if they're not coming in the door and looking for training, then, then it's kind of like, well, what are you really spending this time on?
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, And to your point, a necessary evil. But if the vast majority of fitness seekers are going to a handful of places being facebook being instagram being google we need to be there absolutely we're not a very good fitness business if we don't have fitness business customers and so we need to be where those people are in order for them to even know that we exist obviously we talked about the goal of all of this being bringing in new members this being a, a solo business, you're running this on your own right now. How many people do you bring in in a given month in terms of like an initial consultation? What is the what is the the leads that we generate?
4: Uh, it's anywhere from five to eight um, on a given month. Um, you know, as we get towards, uh, you know, April, um, March and April, it's usually like our busiest month. We're close to the shoreline. You have a lot more people that are uh, coming out from the cold and <laughs> from hiding out in the uh, the New England weather and then you know re-emerging because uh, we're on the shoreline um, and you know from that um, you know it's always this interesting dynamic of you know you can always tell when people come in the door for the first time you know is it this hesitancy because you know they this is a new place for them or is it hesitancy because they really have no reason for being there they really do not want to be there to work out you know. And for some of those people, you're going to be able to convert them. You're going to be able to change their mindset about it. But for other ones, it's it's a matter of, you know, if someone's coming in the door, I want them to leave, whether or not they sign up with me, um, feeling as though they had a good experience. So... Yeah you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have someone, uh, you know, the first time in and just put them through a grueling workout and just like, say, <laughs> hey, hey, this is, this is what it is. This is what we all you
3: know,
4: <laughs> I, I joke that like, it, it's like a part-time therapist, you know, ha, you know, for sure. a lot of, a lot of the business you know you're trying to, you know, develop this connection with people. And I, I think it's, you know, it goes both ways, you know, there's some difficult aspects of, you know, running a business and I've had clients that are, that I've had for 10 years that are, you know, you know great at kind of you know bouncing ideas off of but you know if you have you know a rough instance or whatever you can kind of talk to them about it and i think in that same way um you know when someone comes through the door you want to make them feel comfortable you want to make them feel so like this is a place where they can just kind of let down their guard sure you know and then and then you get the best out of them anyway you know that's yeah. that's the best way to kind of develop that that working relationship 100
3: and and cliff for you guys you mentioned five to eight people coming in for these initial consults on average of those people, how many are signing up
4: to join with you as a, a paying customer? It's usually one to two, you know, okay. and it's, you know, it's, it's all a matter of like when we had our daily deals, our, um our conversion percentage was significantly lower than when we just do it through digital. Um, for the Groupon, it was, it was always a matter of, you know, we were running essentially four personal training sets. So it was like, okay, can you convert in four, you know, and I I felt like that was a a pretty decent amount to be able to figure out, you know, if this was going to be a working relationship that would go forward, or if this was something where, you know, essentially someone was willing to kind of kick the tires and see what, uh, you know, your business entailed. Um, For, so, you know, kind of looking at it from a numbers perspective, if they come in, and they've contacted us through social media, or they know one of our clients, you know, our, our percentage is probably more like, Sixty to seventy-five percent at that point.
3: Yeah, um, we're going. Well, that was that was going to be my question because one to two out of five to eight people is fairly low, but you you kind of put an asterisk on that. Yeah,
4: because really? you're if you're going with the Groupon conversion, I mean, you're talking probably less than it's like five to eight con, uh, percent conversion rate on that. Yeah, you know? and and it's just the nature of it, you know.
3: Yeah. Okay, and so one to two new clients in any given month on average. What does that look like in terms of the the future goal for you guys? Is there a target number or at least what you think you can handle with the current systems, the current systems being you doing all the training? Mm -hmm. How many clients do you think that you can handle, at least as of now?
4: Yeah, so I think that the next phase of it would be some type of expansion, um, where it would allow for us to be able to take on more clients and then also have more trainers on board. Um, a little bit more in line with 1000% fitness, you know, our version 2.0, where we had a larger location, we had obstacle course training and things of that nature. Um, It would have to be something that would fit that bill. Um, In terms of just doing the one on one training, uh, I feel pretty comfortable in the kind of um, place that we're in right now in terms of how many clients that we have. And, you know, the, the type of clientele that we have, and, you know, In terms of a lot of it's the understanding of, you know, if you have someone that's on a, you know, paying each year um, and you know that they're going to re-up, you know, it's understanding those cycles of business as well. Understanding, you know, like how, when will you have an opening and like one of those key time slots, you know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. time slots. You know, if you have regular clients every single day of the week during that time, then it's it's all good and well to put out the marketing, you know, and and try to bring in new clients. But if you don't have those time slots that are going to work for them. You are limited as a sole proprietor.
3: Yeah, as goes the the sort of double-edged sword of traditional one-on-one PT, right? At a certain point, we can either increase the amount of money that we're charging or work more hours. And that's really it. The workaround since then has been kind of what you've been doing in, in smaller groups or semi-private of one to three, one mm-hmm. to four, one to five maybe, and and being able to, to pair people up in groups a little bit like that. Has there been any kind of thought process or internal brainstorming of switching to a bigger focus on that sort of model?
4: So we always looked at our group training as kind of like a... Um... Uh, another way for our one-on-one training clients to kind of get in some extra sessions. Um, right. A majority of our clients, you know, aside from maybe less than a handful of them did one-on-one personal training as well. Um, mm-hmm. So then they would also join in on, you know, maybe three or four classes over the course of the week in, in terms of smaller groups. Um, and, you know, it, it is, it is a good way to kind of develop this community aspect of it as well. Um, where people get to meet others, um, you know, and and then there's that accountability part of it too. You know, of course they want to show up for training if they have to pay for it and if, you know, there's a trainer there, but they probably feel even more responsibility if they know that they're going to have to, you know, let the other person down that's going to have to do 2,000 meters on a row because they're not splitting up the time on it, you know, and they're going to have to hear about that the next time. I think, you know, when you start going into group training that way, it does start to build up a little bit more community, and I think, you know, once we were doing the obstacle courses and things of that nature, you know, that all kind of works together hand in hand with that. You know, you develop the community aspect of it, but it also kind of builds up your group training as well. Yeah. There's a, there's a gentleman in our industry,
3: Alan Cosgrove, who has been a big champion and a proponent of semi-private as the main model and PT being used sort of a la carte. And and he talks, he, he had cancer a number of times and he talks about when he was going through chemo with five or six people in a room and one nurse in charge of keeping these people alive. Mm-hmm. And he resorts that back to PT one-on-one or in a small group. And he's like, man, if, if we could do this, if the medical community can do this when lives are on the line, we can probably benefit from it in fitness when the stakes are a little bit lower, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of a win-win for everybody involved. To your point, it's a it's a much more Economic price point for the customer. They get the benefit of a little bit of competition, a little bit of camaraderie with the other people in the group. There's not as much downtime for the trainer. And from a business, we can service a greater amount of people than just one per time slot. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we can make a better use of the hours that we have available. For you, Cliff, you mentioned the idea being bringing on other trainers at some point, what sort of parameters or what sort of timeline is working around in your head? What needs to be accomplished before those things happen?
4: I think one of the more difficult things has been, you know, when you own your own business and you're a sole proprietor, you can't, you know, do a multiplicity thing and then clone yourself, you know, <laughs> <laughs>
3: There's
4: only so many hours in the day, There's so many hours in the day. And then, you know, in terms of you know, I tried, I tried a method where I would, I would meet the client for the first session, you know, and we would develop this rapport and, you know, I would take them through it and then I would pass them off to another trainer that we had. And then it was like, Oh, but why am I going over to, the I like that guy better. better. I yeah. like this guy better, you know? And that was one of the things One, you know, the you, things you learn along the way, if someone's coming in the door, they're going to be working with that trainer from day one, you know? Um, especially because it is, you know, it it may, it may not be necessarily that, you know, one training style is better than the other. It's just a familiarity, you know? And, you know, so I think that's the other part of it too. You need to have someone that kind of shares your same mindset in terms of training. Um, but also, you know, has the ability to sell, you know, that's a, that's a huge part of it. There are a lot of trainers out there really are great at what they do, but they cannot convert people over to training clients,
3: um,
4: you know. And I think that's always a really difficult part of it. So I think in terms of developing a team of trainers that would be able to, you know, do both ends of that um, so that they were able to kind of train the client clients that we get, you know, ones that have orthopedic issues, but also ones that, you know, might be a little bit difficult to convert, you know, where we are on the shoreline. I mean, you can go in a two mile radius and find 15 gyms, you know, so you have to stand out um, and you have to offer a product that's, you know, different than, than the, you know, the gym down the road. Um, and then, also, in terms of location, I think you know finding the next location um that has the right amount of space indoors and outdoors, I think would be the next parameter um for you know the, the next stage of the business. Um, and I think we're looking more in like a, an ownership um, phase of things instead of renting for the next one as well. yeah, just because you know we don't want to really be at the whim of, you know another location owner. We'd like to be able to kind of, you know, that certainly good.
3: does give you a whole lot more leverage when it comes to to running your business. And one of the things that you've mentioned along there that that we sort of just breezed past is something that probably every gym owner in the world can resonate with. And that was trainers historically just aren't very good salespeople. They if they know their craft, they're great trainers. But finding a, someone who's a great trainer and who can also sell and build their own business is incredibly rare because those people are usually opening their own facility. Yeah. And so finding that diamond in the rough or figuring out what the process is to get them some basic sales training, some things that they can follow just to improve that conversion percentage. If we do nothing else, but get a little bit better at sales, the business is going to really, really take off whether that's the business owner itself or the trainer is doing the sales. If we can convert at a higher percentage, it's going to result in a better outcome in the end. Right.
4: Yeah. So I I think like, uh, you know, your starting point and, you know, kind of like where you kind of cut your teeth in the business also helps, you know, um, when I, when I first started out, my first training job was at a gym that just like started off right off the ground. And it was, you know, a a trainer that had worked with one of his clients and the client wanted to open up his own gym. And the guy was all, you know, my, he was a mentor to me and he was excellent at the exercise science part of it, but (laughs) tremendous at the sales part of it, you know, and I, that's where I really understood like there was this necessity to it, you know, that he wasn't simply like, okay, I really want to teach you about the proper way to train and everything else. It's like, we need to get clients in the door for this to succeed. And that really kind of opened my eyes to it as well, because I mean, like you said, there are a lot of us out there who really, you know, we know what we're doing, whether it's, you know, functional training, whether it's, you know, in terms of weight loss and nutrition, but the the different aspects of it and the differentiation of it in terms of staying in business for a long period of time is really understanding you know, how your business works and and how to generate sales. Yep.
3: That's, that's spot on and, and really highlights the value of mentorship and learning from other people. And and we in this industry have this almost glorification of struggling and, and learning on our own and, and really making every mistake there is to make in the book. But that, at the end of the day, costs time and costs money. If we can fast track that process and learn from someone else's mistake, we're gonna be far better off Absolutely. in the long run. And yeah. it sounds like that's really that's a really good overarching theme to this whole interview, right? Yeah. How can we save some time? How can we save some money? Because at the end of the day, that's why we opened a business, right? Money in versus money out is, is really the ultimate scoreboard of this whole thing. Cliff, I mean, you and I could, could go back and forth on this for hours, but as we approach the end of our time here, where can people find out a little bit more about this? Where can they find you on a website or social media?
4: Yeah, so they could find us on 1000%fitness.com. Um, they could find us on social media, on Facebook. Um, they can find us on uh, Instagram as well. And uh, on our blog, uh, The Daily Sweat. Um, it's, it's also our blog that uh, you know has our recipes on there. It has our juices. As our workout of the day that people complain about when they have to do too many kettlebell swings, you know, it has everything that you need.
3: <laughs> all things that people are bitching about that they actually love
4: anyway. Exactly. Exactly. If it's if it hurts and you know you're you're not really a, a fan of it, in all likelihood, it's probably good for you. It's like the old Jack Lane, uh saying, you know. Yeah. It tastes good, spit it out. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Cliff, this is this has been a bunch of fun and I, I really enjoy the opportunity to kind of dig through business owners' mindsets and see what makes them tick and where their focuses are at their stage of business. I, I can't thank you enough for contributing today and, and I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Man. Thank you. It was great. Absolutely. And so to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model and how it relates to the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for
0: listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors.
5: What's up, Jim Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I am your host today, and we're here with Allison from Rev Fitness in Iowa. What's up, Allison? How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Of course. All righty. So let's just jump right into it. Now, what is it that made you want to own a fitness business? Um
6: my husband and i uh basically from probably after our first child um we started building our own like basement gym and we've just always been very excited about fitness and we wanted to share it so i started doing some group fitness at a local gym and um you know then you start thinking of ways that you would do things differently um uh, and so basically we found a building that looked like a good option and we bought it and we renovated it ourselves. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of how it all started. Awesome. All
5: right. So you built it from the ground up. So you well, not,
6: not exactly. So it was okay. a, it was a building that had been actually an arcade many years before and had been kind of abandoned. Um, someone in town had purchased it and cleared it out so that it didn't get torn down it's in a it's in kind of a historical part of town so someone had kind of saved it from being demolished and so it was kind of a shell so it didn't have okay plumbing electric or anything like that so so we we had the building we um but we it was kind of nice it was kind of like a blank slate we were able to put up the walls where we wanted put the bathrooms where we wanted you know kind of had um we're able to just do it the way we thought it should be done. And so, yeah, so it's ours.
5: (laughs) Awesome. I love that. Awesome. So as far as your business model goes or the type of gym that you have, so are you doing group classes? Do you do personal training, uh, semi-private? How does that work?
6: So um, I feel weird. I can tell you what we're doing right now, but we're we're kind of in a spot of transition, but we're not exactly sure what that transition will be. Um, So, so um, we used to be group fitness and um, slowly kind of added in some personal training, but currently post pandemic, we're almost all personal training, small group training. Um, We've sort of added in just because of some of our, clients um have asked, we sort of added in some, I wouldn't call it it's, it's not small group personal training, but just kind of small group fitness, I guess. I don't know exactly what okay. you would even call it, but um whereas we used to have the type of we had like a schedule, we used the mind body app and people would just kind of sign in and come, you know, come to class when they wanted. Now it's more of a sign up for a six week session type thing it's what we're trying right now anyway yeah
5: okay so it's uh almost like a a six week membership that people are on right now sort of
6: they sign up for a specific time and day um so we don't have anyone dropping in I guess you could say and um yeah so it's it's just it's just it's still I guess it's it's a group it's small group um but it's not just open to anyone I guess so I guess you okay. can call it
5: membership. Yeah. Right. Okay. And within that group of individuals that you have doing that six week program, are there any other services that they are offered as well, as far as nutrition goes, uh, accountability coaching, anything of that nature?
6: Yeah, we, well, and, and right now we're not really doing, um, we don't really have anything like that going currently, but but definitely in the past we would do. Yeah. Just sort of like accountability groups. Um, we don't offer any specific like meal plans Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Maybe, um, kind of generalized, I guess, nutrition information, but for the most part, um, just sort of accountability and, and sharing recipes and ideas and just kind of keeping each other on track and stuff like that. Yeah
5: right okay so they're coming into a group session is it three times a week or how does how does that work as far as
6: how many well, times in? yeah so um I would like I said we're we're trying things out we're not even really sure um <laughs> what what we'll be doing but what we've what we've just started doing in the past I'd say two months we've changed changed it like I said to like an open sign-in
2: mm-hmm. um
6: So I have, so I had some people approach me and say, you know, if we got a group of people together and we paid ahead and we did like six weeks, six week, you know, blocks, Mm -hmm. they like, I have a group that comes on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. And then I have a group that comes on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. So those are two times a week, but then I have a group of people that, um, are there and they are really people that used to come to class before the pandemic so they approached me and said we would come on Saturdays so I have a group that comes once a week on Saturdays um we're we're hoping to kind of add more in um but I'm the person that works at Rev Fitness so I've I've been doing so much personal training that um that's kind of difficult to to add in the groups um but I think I you know it may be something that we we do in more in the future we're just sort of trying things out right now
5: right okay trying to kind of feel it out and see what feels right post pandemic. Okay. So are you the only trainer at your facility or do you have staff members?
6: So my husband and I are owners of our gym and, um, he's always had a full-time job outside of the gym. Um, so he, uh, pre-pandemic um, he would definitely fill in and do some group fitness he's also a personal trainer um he's so but he's it's, it's complicated he has a job that has a varied schedule he d- actually doesn't really have a schedule <laughs> he travels out of town a couple times a week so his, he has personal training clients they are usually people who are very flexible and are okay with him saying hey this week I'll be in town these days so he he's not, I can't rely on him to teach a class scheduled. Um, Right. But he has his personal training clients. And um, so he just kind of, he kind of makes his own schedule, but yeah. So, so I am the only full-time staff member.
5: Okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's certainly hard to plan a schedule when you know your your husband's schedule is kind of yeah. all over the place you can't really rely yeah. on that no. so
6: um
5: but it's also a lot for you to take on you know being the owner running the place from day to day and then training your personal training clients but then also the group classes as well so that's a lot are you crazy busy
6: during the day how do you kind of balance it all actually i i'm i'm very like I, my day usually starts uh my first appointment's probably at five a.m. and then um, I, 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 the good thing about it is I can make my schedule. So I come home and I take my, I have three kids. I take them to school in the morning. I go back, I work for a little bit. So my downtime is like the middle of the day, like lunchtime. I can just like lay on my couch for a little bit. And then after school starts right back up. I usually have an appointment or a class. Um, And then I run my kids here and there to whatever sport they do. So I'm pretty busy. Yeah.
5: (laughs) For sure. Yeah, I remember when I was working in the gym, it's like midday is your downtime because yes. you know, you're always working when everyone else isn't working. Right, so, That's exactly. And and vice versa, you know. So, um, yeah, midday is the best best time to take a little break. <laughs> yes. um, so as far as your client base goes now, how many clients are you currently serving?
6: Um in group, you would say in group are you asking in group fitness and personal training? Yeah, overall. Um, so I, I kind of guesstimated at between 30 and 40. I'm sort of, like I said, I'm kind of actually transitioning between a couple different groups right now. I've added a couple new personal training clients. So I'd say between 30 and 40 right now.
5: Between 30 and 40. Okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. okay. So as far as your membership base pre COVID goes, where were we with the amount of members that we had before
6: the pandemic? Um, I would say probably closer to hundred. Okay.
5: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So now the, it sounds like the structure of your business has also changed post COVID. So yes. yeah. what are the differences between the way you were running things before the pandemic and now the way that you're running things after the pandemic? Mm-hmm.
6: Um, well, like I said, I was, um, I would make a schedule, I um, I would post it in the app or and like online on social media. And um, my classes were full, uh, I was having, um, I'd say my 5am class would be full every day with a waiting list with 20, 25 people. Um, and then yeah, so so um, and then my midday class would be a little smaller, and my evening class would be somewhere in between. Um, and uh, and I actually did have uh, someone come and help helping and teaching uh, evening class as well. Um, so we were busy, busy, and it was full of people a lot of the time. Um, and just closing down, of course, you know, we were closed closed down like everyone else was. And mm-hmm. um, but then reopening. <laughs> was really difficult because, um, I know that some of my clients are, were concerned about safety. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have, I have, you know, clients that range anywhere from, you know, I have teenagers and I have, um, I have clients in their seventies and so, you know, they're different age groups felt differently about things. Um, I had some restrictions, you know, for mask wearing, um, And different. I mean, there was just different things. Some people didn't feel safe. Some people didn't really like my restrictions. Um, Some people, I'm not really sure. But uh, when I reopened and kind of tried to use that same format that I had uh, pre-COVID, it just wasn't working. Um, So, and like I said, I I can't even really tell you why that is. (laughs) Um, I wish I knew. Um, Right. But I did have more people reaching out to me for individual training. So I just feel that I feel like people are feeling safer with small groups um, and with people that they knew, with friends. And so I have several groups of like two, three people that come and do personal training together. And so it's been hard because I'm so used to group. I love groups. I love the energy. Um, but like I have, I'm trying to tell myself right now, this is okay too. To to change to something different, it's not. It's just, it's just kind of where we are right now. And I don't know what the future will bring. But um, right, yeah, it's just different. It's not. It's not worse. It's not better. It's just. It's just different.
5: Yeah, for sure. I can definitely relate to the large group atmosphere. I love the large group atmosphere. The energy. Um, it's just. It's a lot of fun to have a lot of people in the same room. Uh, so obviously COVID has changed things for a lot of people. So a lot of people are kind of in the same boat as you. So basically now you've just kind of scaled it back a little bit and, and made your groups a little bit smaller just to make sure that people feel more comfortable. Um, so, I mean, you have to pivot sometimes and just make it work where you are. So you're obviously doing that. So that's a plus. So as far as Now, getting that membership back up, so getting more people in the door, um, are you, how are you going about doing that? How are you going about putting yourself out there as far as marketing goes? Are you doing any type of paid advertising? What are we doing now to get some new faces
6: in the door? Um, I, this is another difficult question because I'm, not so sure that i want many new faces that sounds that sounds bad um <laughs> but um because of the limited amount of time i have for the for the groups that i'm doing um and the groups are more the groups of people that i'm i have in my uh, gym right now are comfortable with those that size of group maybe like eight to ten people mm-hmm. um so at this time right now in this moment um, I'm not really doing any extra advertising. Okay. Um, and I know that's like a, that's disappointing. I'm sure it sounds horrible, but it's because I'm trying to, I think we're just trying to figure out where we are. Um, and in, in my state, um, there are no restrictions. So Mm -hmm. I could go back to being fully normal, but that doesn't mean that the people there feel comfortable with that. Um, right. I myself have a child that has health issues. So I have to be careful. Absolutely. Um, And so just like, whereas before it was like the more the merrier, let's get in here. Let's do this. Um, Right. And that's just not at this point right now, especially with the level of community spread in my community, it's not really something that I feel comfortable doing. And I just mostly because I feel that my clients wouldn't feel comfortable with that right now.
5: Right. Okay. yeah, so from a, a business standpoint, at the point that you are at right now, is this something that you are able to maintain with the amount of members that you have and the revenue that you're bringing in? Is this going to be something that you can maintain with
6: the current situation that you have? Yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, it, most of the, most of the issue is me in my head, um, thinking that, you know, I miss, I miss the big groups. I miss the energy. Um, not that we don't have that still. I mean, it's just with less people. I mean, it's still fun. I still have like the most amazing clients. Um, it's, I love it. I mean, I love it, but it's just, it's mostly me like telling myself this is okay. It's different and. And yeah, I can, I can maintain, I mean, listen, I'm never going to get rich, you know, doing this job in my town, the way I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. that's never really been my goal. Um, if I can make a difference in people's lives and um, feel happy and have time to like, you know, take, run my kids all over the countryside. Right. then I just, ha- I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not, I've never really been like, I hope to open many more gyms and, you know, I'm, that's never really been my my goal, you know, and I, I live in a small community. The town that I live in is about 10,000 people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not like I'm in a giant city where I'm, you know, um, so it it is, it's, it's working, it's different, but Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's it's working. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Good. So have you thought about bringing on Staff members to kind of help you out, and to you know maybe allow some more of those smaller groups to be on a regular schedule throughout the week. Is that something that you're thinking about doing,
6: or? Yeah. Well, and and I have you know I have people approach me um, that want to teach their teach their group own group fitness and kind of like you know just maybe not even necessarily work for me, but almost like use my space and mm-hmm. and. Um, and- And we've thought about that. And yeah, I definitely am open to, um, adding people, um, I, I at this point, we really haven't done that, but, um, and we have, we have like several family members actually that live in our community who are also personal trainers. Like, so, um, it, it would be, it would, it would be something that we'd be open to doing. We just, at this point, you know, we're just in such a weird spot. Yes. It's a weird time to be doing a podcast about my business because it's in a space it's never been before. We've never been quite in this position. Right.
5: Yeah. Well, you're certainly not alone. A lot of people are experiencing some things that obviously, I mean, we've never had to face something like this before, so it can certainly be hard to navigate, can be really hard to plan. And, you know, as a business owner, one of the things that you almost have to do is predict the future and then put things in place, systems in place to be able uh, to survive if X, Y, or Z happens. And I think that that's one of the hardest things as a business owner to do, especially right now, because you just don't know what's coming. Mm -hmm. now more than ever really. So, I mean, with that being said, I know that a lot of gym owners that I speak with have developed online platforms. Mm -hmm. So to provide another stream of revenue for the business one, and then two, to potentially be the only stream of revenue for their business if Mm -hmm. necessary. So is that something that you've thought about doing or that you have in the process or what
6: is that something on
5: your radar? so we we actually
6: did um for gosh how many months i mean i have hundreds of uh, online workouts that i provided to my to my clients again i didn't really i have i've never really um planned on like just i being like you know instagram famous or anything like that yeah, right, but for right. my clients for my clients um you know during our shutdown time and even um during the time when things started opening up, but um, we weren't really sure about doing group fitness yet, we were putting out work, uh, workouts every day to our our current clients, and they were—I mean—and they were uh, paying for them like they were the regular group fitness classes, you know, before. So that that definitely helped um, during the pandemic, um, and of course, when other gyms started opening back up, and we were still like not quite sure what we wanted to do. Um, you know that those numbers kind of it, it's got to the point where the where the online classes for us and for our clients it really wasn't working very well anymore it wasn't a good use of our time mm-hmm. and um so we sort of went away from that but yeah it definitely got us through um the hardest part of the pandemic I guess.
5: Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a necessary thing. And I think that a lot of people were kind of hesitant to do it at first just because, there was a thought process that your clients weren't going to get the same results, not being in the facility. So I think that that kind of held a lot of people back. Um, But I know personally myself, we were doing uh, online training from my facility and sometimes the people that were doing the online training were getting even better results than the people that were in the facility, (laughs) which is crazy. So um, it definitely can be a helpful a helpful tool to have if necessary. So is that something that you're going to continue doing or you've kind of shut it down from now?
6: Um, for, for now we've kind of shut it down. I mean, a lot of it just, just for the fact of time management. I mean, I am very busy most of the day and, um, filming and, and selfishly filming, filming online workouts was, Probably one of my least favorite things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, me, myself <laughs> in my gym in complete silence, filming a workout. Um, but but that was the thing with, with with several of my clients. And I mean, they were so supportive. They, you know, definitely subscribed to my workouts and stuff like that. But that was the things Like the reason they started group fitness is because they like group fitness. And yeah, so right. and they, or maybe yeah, maybe right. I just wasn't, you know, maybe they could feel that I wasn't loving um filming myself working out. Um, I'm not sure but yeah so it's it's really not something that we're doing right now. Yeah, (laughs) again, I feel like I'm giving you answers that are not what I what you would what you want or what people want to hear but just being honest.
5: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's okay. No worries. Everybody's different. You know, everybody has taken a different approach and if you found something that works for you and that you're able to maintain, then that's perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. other people have just kind of pivoted and as, as you have as well, um, into different streams of revenue, just providing different services within the business to help, um, scale with the people that they have in their business already rather than having to worry about bringing new people in the door all the time, especially when you have a restriction or the The people that you have in your gym don't feel comfortable with those larger groups. Mm-hmm. So there are certainly things that you can do within the business already to be able to provide maybe that same amount of revenue that you were getting prior to COVID with a limited number of people. Mm-hmm. So there are definitely uh, multiple different approaches that you can take. Mm-hmm. But again, if you found something that works for you, then we're glad to be able to share that with other people who might be in a similar situation. Yeah. So thank Very you for yeah. that. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media?
6: So we have a Facebook page, um, and Instagram, and I believe our Instagram handles Rev Rev Fitness Club. um, and we have a website, RevFitnessClub.com.
5: All right. Awesome. So definitely check out Rev Fitness. And if you are in the Iowa area, definitely check it out if you're looking for a new gym. All right. Thank you so much, Allison, for joining us today. We're glad to have you. Yes. Thanks for having me. Of course. And to all the gym lords out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. And in the meantime, keep killing it and we will catch you on the flip side. Gym lords
6: out.